Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. A couple things before we get started. Uh, we're beginning our... Christmas programs today, and if you'd like even more Christmas programs, check out The War, thewar.greatdetectives.net, and from now until Christmas Day, be 11 separate uh, wartime Christmas uh, programs. I also want to encourage you as you're making your travel plans for the, uh, for the holidays and into the new year, remember johnnydollarair.com, it's a Priceline affiliate. Uh, which means that, uh, if you find a deal there, uh, which you can do either by searching the published fares or by naming your own price, uh, part of your purchase price goes to support the great detectives of old time radio. So remember when you're planning travel, check johnnydollarair.com first. Well, folks, it's kind of hard to make a uh, good detective program Christmas show. The warmth of Christmas time is usually a pretty far cry from the usual plots of most detective programs, which I think is part of the reason why so many never uh, get a special. And it's possible... It really is possible for things to go wrong, for you to have a show that just seems um, goofy or in really poor taste, such as the first Johnny Dollar Christmas special uh, in 1949. However, I say that this is probably near the top my favorite detective program Christmas shows without actually departing too much from the normal uh, setup. So... Let's go ahead and take a listen. We're going to go back to December 19th of 1955 as we begin the Nick Shurn Matter, Parts 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Deller. Don Wilkins, Johnny. Tri-Mutual Limited. Oh, hi, Don. Thanks for the Christmas present. Well, just don't take out the cork near an open flame. Yeah. Uh, say... Do you know anything about a guy named Mel Pryker? Nothing good about him. Why? Got himself killed last night. Murdered. Pryker was born to be murdered. Maybe so, but not at our expense. We're holding a $100,000 policy on him. Wow. Who's the beneficiary? His uh, partner, Nick Shern. Nick Shern? You picked a fine pair of rats. Yeah, I know that now. The New York police are holding Shern, but they've got no evidence. Go down there and check it out for us, Johnny. If Nick did the killing, we're off the hook. Any witnesses? One, apparently, the hat check girl in that nightclub of theirs. What's her story? I wish I knew. She's disappeared. We've got to find her, Johnny, before some of Nick's hoodlums find her. Don, maybe they already have. (laughs) 
Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office Trimutual Insurance Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is the account of expenditures during my investigation of the Nick Shearn matter. Item 1, 2280, transportation to New York, tips and incidentals, and taxi fare to the office of Lieutenant Ed Rafferty, Homicide Division, the man in charge of the case. Oh, hiya, Johnny. How have you been? Not bad, Ed. How's the homicide business? Terrible. Did you look at that teletype? Shoplifting. Five complaints right in a row. The week before Christmas, that's all we get. Shoplifters. Mel Pranker wasn't shoplifting. Oh, you working on it, Johnny? Yeah, the insurance angle. Nick Shearns, the beneficiary. A hundred grand policy. Well, you got a tough one, boy. Shearn killed him all right, but I don't think we're going to be able to stick him. Come on in the office. Hey, you know what that kid of mine wants for Christmas? Marilyn Monroe? Oh, next year, Johnny. He's only ten, you know. Go ahead. Okay, thanks. No, he, uh, he wants a motorbike. Can you tie that? Ten years old, and he says he needs a motorbike. <laughs> Have a chair. Okay. Well, look, I know a factory representative here will make you a good deal on one, eh? Oh, now, forget it, Johnny. No, I was 14 before I even had a pair of roller skates. And then I had to buy them myself. Yeah, kids are spoiled today. That's the half of what's wrong with them. Uh, ah, there's the file on the case. What little we've got. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, how'd it happen, Ed? Uh, you mean, how do I think it happened? That's good enough for me. Mel Pryker and Nick Shearn were both in the rackets for years, as you probably know. Yeah, I've heard rumors. Well, a while back, they teamed up and opened a string of supper clubs. That's where Pryker got it, in their main club, the Chez Colette. Strictly legitimate, huh? Well, more or less, I guess. They could afford to be. The dough they were making and arguing over, according to the word around. That's the reason for the killing, the way you see it. Sure. Nick figured if half was good, all the take would be twice as good. And the insurance on top of it. Ah, you're a fast one, Johnny. <laughs> Anyhow, several people heard the shots about 2.30 in the morning, it was, right after the club closed, but none of them bothered to report it. The cleanup crew came in at three and found Pryker's body. He was lying in his office, shot twice, gun on the floor beside him, no prints, with his own gun, and it was kept there in his desk. Where was Nick Shearn? Well, we picked him up an hour later at another one of their clubs. The manager was with him, and, uh, oh, Benny Stark. Now, he used Benny, to... Benny, yeah, I know. Trigger man for Nick's mob in the old days. Fifteen years overdue for hanging. <laughs> That's our Benny. Anyhow, they, they both swear that Nick was there from 1.30 on. Uh-huh. What about a paraffin test, Ed? Positive, clear to the elbow, and you can throw it out the window. What do you mean? Earlier that evening, Nick spent two hours at a shooting gallery uptown... Firing a pistol. Ooh, smart, huh? He really planned for it. He really did. Without a witness, we haven't got a chance. I understand there was a witness. Some girl who was mixed up in it. Easy, Johnny. You're talking to a Rafferty. Hmm, so the girl's Irish. Miss Kathleen O'Dare. Old country, back three generations. County Kildare. <laughs> then naturally, she's as innocent as a newborn babe. Naturally. Then how does she figure well, a taxi driver who knows her said that he saw her leave the club five minutes after the shots. She denied it, said that she left at closing time. Well, now, in my book, she was lying. Scared to talk, huh? Paralyzed. And with plenty of reason. You know Shearn's reputation. Yeah. 
Well, what about the cab driver? Oh, he changed his story. He said it might have been some other girl he saw. Oh, no, don't tell me, Ed. Let me guess. Uh, that's right. His name's O'Toole. Yeah. And I forgot to mention that Kathleen's pretty. Naturally. Anyhow, I let her go. I had to. And when I went around to talk to her this morning, she'd flown the coop. Any chance I'm a next boy's grabbed her? I don't think so. It looked more like she came home, packed in a hurry, took her kid, and blew. Kid? Ah, eight-year-old daughter. Irish and a mother, too. I was on sacred ground. Boy, he was fingering me gun. <laughs> no, seriously, Johnny. Would you find her? She may be able to break Nick's alibi, and it's our only chance. And it might be her only chance. Nick Sharon's not the boy to leave a loose end lying around. I know. I've got 30 men checking bus depots, airlines. And no luck, huh? In this mess, at this time of year, I'm a hard-boiled cop, Johnny. I've got no Christmas spirit. I'm glad it only comes once per annum. Well, there's not very much to go on, that's for sure. I'll see what I can turn up, Ed. Check with you later. All right, that's fine. Oh, oh, oh by the way, Johnny. Yeah? Uh, about that friend of yours. What friend? Uh, the guy with the motorbikes. Uh, how, how would I be getting in touch with him? Oh, yeah, his name's Ralph Sterner. He's in the phone book, office in the Mackley building. Hard-boiled cop. <laughs> well, uh, the kid's only young once. Yeah, sure. Now, you find that O'Dare girl. Find her, keep her alive, and get her to talk. How long have I got to find her? Uh, what do you mean? Nick Shearn. How much longer can you hold him? Johnny, he was turned loose an hour ago. So that was it. A lot of maybes, a lot of questions, and a lot of pressure. A job to be done and done fast. Find one Kathleen O'Dare, former hat check girl at the Shea Colette. Keep Nick Shearn's hoodlums away from her and persuaded to talk. And three to one, Nick was looking for her, too. He was free now, on the loose. And he might be anywhere. Only the way it turned out, he wasn't just anywhere. He was in one particular place. Johnny. Parked right smack in front of the precinct station. Over here, Johnny. He was sitting in the back seat of a sedan, and his trigger man, Benny Stark, was at the wheel. Been a long time, hasn't it, Johnny? About five years, as I remember it, Nick. It was that warehouse robbery over in Queens when you got away with $40,000 worth of furs. Uh-uh, you've forgotten. I was acquitted on that one. Oh, yeah, I know. After they pulled the only witness out of the East River, his feet in a bucket of cement. Just coincidence. i never seen him before. You've seen Miss O'Dare before. Sure I have. She works for me. She's a good kid, Johnny. So I hear. Well, I wouldn't harm a hair on that girl's head. She'll be relieved when I tell her that. Get in. I want to talk to you. Oh, no, no. Sorry, Nick. I like it fine just the way it is. In the car, I'd be outnumbered. You got me all wrong, Johnny. I don't play that way anymore. What about Benny? Has he reformed, too? Well, if that's what... <laughs> Benny, go take a walk. Yeah, boss, but... I said go take a walk. Okay. Get in, Johnny. All right, what's on your mind, Nick? You were uh, working on this case? Yeah, I'm on it. Why? That's what I figured. I was talking to my lawyer in there and saw you go to Rafferty's office. I guess the insurance company's going to try to welch on that claim. It's your party, it? Nick. You talk. I got a better idea. What's that? You know, it's real nice out in Las Vegas this time of year, Johnny. A man can have a lot of fun out there for the next month with 
Maybe $10,000 to play with? What man are you talking about? You. I don't have $10,000. You will. 30 minutes from now, if you say it away. Oh, Nick, you're lucky we're not standing out there on the sidewalk. In a car seat, I haven't got room to swing. Still a fool, huh? I don't know. Why don't you write me about it? You'll have plenty of time up there in the death cell. Suppose I didn't make any claim on that policy. And you wouldn't have any reason to stay on the case. No sale, Nick. A hundred grand is a lot of money. I'd want to find out why you didn't make a claim. You know why. You're out to pin this on me, and so are the cops. A man with a record hasn't got a chance. You should have thought of that before you killed Mel Pranker. Want to know something, Johnny? I didn't kill him. Well, I'm betting you did. What do you care who killed him? You're not shedding any tears over it. No, but I'd sure hate to see you get away with it. And I'd hate it even more if anything happened to that girl. Kathy O'Dea? Now, what could happen to her? She just might fall in the river. She probably thinks she's safe as long as she hides from the police and refuses to talk. She doesn't know you very well. You had me all wrong, Johnny. You know, you hear a lot about peace on earth, goodwill toward men around this time of year. But I don't have much goodwill toward the kind of rat you are. And I figured there'd be more peace on earth if you weren't on it. Push me and maybe that's what'll happen. Well, at least that's fair warning. Yeah, that's fair warning. I'm going to tag you for this, Nick. You can count on it. Expense account item two, $2.40. Taxi to the east side rooming house of Kathy O'Dare. I didn't have much hope of turning up anything. Ed Rafferty and his men had already been through the place inch by inch. But it was the only starting point I had. The landlady was out and a uniformed policeman let me into Kathy's flat. I spent an hour and a half and got nowhere. I went through her mail, bills, advertisements, casual notes from men she'd met at the club. But nothing personal, not even a postcard. There were no pictures, photographs of Kathy or her daughter anywhere in the flat. She'd made a clean sweep, then left in a hurry. And obviously, she didn't mean to be found. But I had to find her, and fast. It was dusk when I left. The street lamps were on and the colored Christmas lights in the windows along the block. Snow was falling in big, soft, gentle flakes, and there was a holiday feeling in the air. It was neither the time nor the setting for murder. Big contribution, son. Give a little something to help poor. Oh, sure. How's it going this year, Santa? Oh, it's better than usual, but it just seems there's never enough to go around, no matter how. Well, bless you, son. Thank you kindly. Don't mention it. Good luck, Pop. Thank you, son. Well, the city ought to clean the streets better. I've been waiting for you. Sorry, Benny. It's not my day for punks. Get some friends who want to talk to you. Start walking, Johnny, down the alley. Uh-uh. It's dark down there. Start walking. This ain't just my hand in my pocket. It better be, Benny, with two cops standing up there on the porch watching. What are you talking about? There ain't no cops. There... I smashed him in the mouth and knocked him flat. Followed it up and kicked his gun. All right. He rolled over, came to his feet, and rushed me. I was hoping he would. He had that coming, son? He had it coming. Well, he he sure did get it. Yeah. Hey, you know something, Pop? I think Benny wants to make a contribution to help the poor. Well, he ain't saying no. (laughs) Oh, he's a good boy, at the moment at least. Here you go. That ought to help some. Three, four... Five hundred dollars. Put it where it'll do the most good. Well, Merry Christmas, son. Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you, Pop, and many more of them. Hey, taxi! 
Johnny Dollar. This is Mrs. Gottler speaking. Gottler? I'm Kathleen O'Dare's landlady. Oh, yeah. And that's word you wanted to talk to me. That's right. I'm trying to find Miss O'Dare. Do you know where she is? You're a friend of hers? I think I will be once I meet her. I'm an insurance investigator. I want to help her. That's what the other one said. Yeah. What do you mean? What other one? The fellow that come up here a while ago, short, mean-faced, shifty-eyed. Benny Stark? Was that his name? He didn't say, Mr. Dollar. I guess he was too busy. Busy? Doing what? Breaking my good right arm. I'll be right over. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, New York City, to the Home Office, Trimutual Insurance Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Nick Shern matter. Expense account continued. Item five, $2.30. Taxi to Mrs. Gottler's rooming house, the place Kathy O'Dare had called home until she disappeared. Get your hands off. Mrs. Gottler. That I, uh... Well, look, I'm Johnny Dollar. I talked to you on the phone. It's all right. You can put that gun down. Well, I guess it's you all right. I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar, but I've only got one good arm left, and I'm aiming to keep it. Pull up a chair. Thanks. Oh, kind of rough boy, huh? Oh, I'd have showed him who was rough if I could have got a hold of my gun. I'd have blasted him, Christmas week or not. I'd have blasted him, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, I know how you feel. And me with all these presents to wrap. How can you wrap presents with one arm? That is being a paper hanger. Well, I'll be glad to help out, Mrs. Gottler. I won't guarantee what they'll look well, like. Well, no, I sure do appreciate it. And don't worry about their looks. I got to get them wrapped, that's all. Oh, let's see now. Uh, this paper goes on that one. Oh, all right. It's a water muffler for my nephew over in Brooklyn. You know them terrible winters they have over there. Oh, yeah, they're frightful. Of course, it may be better this year. The Dodgers won the pennant. Ah, nothing but luck. It won't happen next year. <laughs> you never know. Hey, tell me something, Mrs. Gottler. How come Benny worked you over? Hmm? Why did he break your arm? Here. Stick this card on it huh? as soon as you get the ribbon tied. Oh, okay. No time of year like Christmas, I always... Well, he wanted to know where Kathy went. When I said I didn't know, it jumped onto me. Said it was lying. If I could have got hold of that gun... Where uh, did she go, by the way? You aiming to break my other arm, Mr. Dollar? With all these packages to wrap? Here, hold your finger on that knot. Tie it tight now. The postmen in Brooklyn are always busting things open. No. Well, that's one down. Where did you say she went? Oh, I didn't. Now, this one I'll deliver myself, so it don't need to be wrapped so careful. All righty. Kathy lit out of here in the middle of the night. You think I'd sit up 24 hours a day spying on my rumors? You might, if the rumor happened to be one of your special favorites. Who told you that? What's the difference? She was, wasn't she? Kathy was everybody's favorite. Anybody that ever met her. Oh, you'll meet them as make remarks about a girl that works in a nightclub. But I'll tell you one thing, Mr. Dollar. Kathleen O'Dare is a finer lady as you'd ever care to find. And I would care to find her. Well, good luck to you, then. And if you do, let me know where she is. You helped her pack, didn't you? Now, how did you know that? Here, here, here. That's about as good as I can get it. Be careful when you deliver it, though. It's not tied very tight. I didn't know, Mrs. Gottner. I was guessing, but it figured. Kathy was scared half to death when she packed up and left here. All she had on her mind was to run and hide... She wouldn't have thought of stripping that flat, taking out every bit of personal identification. Somebody had to help her. Now, where'd she go? I don't know. Look, look, you don't get the idea. I'm on her side. She's up against a rough deal and doesn't even know it. You've got a sample of the way those boys play, and that was only a sample. With Kathy, it'll be a whole lot worse. 
They're looking for her, and sooner or later they'll find her. Her only chance is for me to get to her first, so you... I'm not lying, Mr. Dollar. I don't know where she went, and that's the truth to help me. I tried to get her to tell me, but she wouldn't. She said if I knew it would be dangerous for me. I helped her pack, yes, but I don't know where she was going. Well, that's that, I guess. I don't know where to turn next. She apparently didn't have any other close friends. I don't even know what she looks like. I've never even seen a picture of her. I was hoping you well, could... Well, if that'll do you any good, I've got one right here in my sewing basket. One what? A picture. What did you think? Give it to me about a year ago. She's never had many taken, but here it is. Thanks. Real pretty girl, don't you think so? Yeah, she's lovely. Well, at least I'll be able to wreck... When was this taken, Mrs. Gabler? Now, how should I know? Three or four years ago, I guess, before she came here to the city. This photographer's address, the name of the town, is that where she came from, Brambury, Michigan? Well, yes, that's her hometown, Brambury. I'd forgotten the name of it. And she was just talking about it a week or so ago. She wanted to go home for Christmas, but she said she couldn't see. Mr. Dollar, do you think she might? Maybe. It's the most likely place a scared girl would run to, home. Anyway, it's worth a chance. Mrs. Gottler, I love you. Why, Mr. Dollar. Expense account item six, $88.35. Hotel and incidentals in New York and transportation to Brambury, Michigan. Brambury turned out to be a lumber village, half hidden among the pine-covered hills. It was a little bigger than a wide spot in the road, but not much bigger. A foot of new snow had fallen within the past 24 hours. A fluffy white blanket lay softly on the trees and the housetops and filled the deep hollows in the frozen ground. Men in bright red flannel shirts drove horse-drawn logging sleds through the forest trails, and their shouts sounded sharp and clear, a crystalline tinkle in the icy air. Brambury looked like the place where Christmas was invented. It was beautiful. And very quiet when it came to putting out information. I found it out first when I tried the local telephone operator. I, uh, just checked in here at the hotel operator. There doesn't seem to be a phone book, people so... People steal them, that's why. Traveling people going through. Oh, uh, souvenir hunters, I suppose. How's that? Uh, look, I wanted to call the O'Dares. Could it's you put... not O'Dares. There ain't but one. That's old Mike. Oh, and that's the one I want to call. Would you mind ringing him? Won't do no good. He ain't there. He's slabbing up at number four mill today. Well, actually, it's his daughter I want to talk daughter? to. Daughter? Yeah, that's right. Kathleen. Do you know her? Just growed up with her, doll. Oh, well, would you mind... No, I've never met her, Where but... Where are you from? I came here from New York, What's but I... What's your name? Johnny Dollar. Now, will you please ring Kathleen? She don't live and... here. She lives in New York City. I know where she lives. And what give you the idea she'd be up here? I'm psychic. You're what? Look, where can I get in touch with her? I wouldn't know anything about it, Mr. Dollar, and I can't give out that kind of information. You better go on back to New York and write her a letter. Let me talk to your supervisor. Supervisor? Well... I'm all there is, so I guess that's me. Start talking. Forget it. You're welcome. I got the same kind of runaround from the hotel proprietor. As soon as I mentioned Kathy, he suddenly forgot his own name, age, and the time of day. One thing's sure, this town took care of its own. I wondered if the law in Brambury would take the same attitude. I decided I'd better go find out. As it happened, I didn't have far to go. On the sidewalk in front of the hotel, the law came to me. Just a second there, mister. Hmm? I'd like to have a little talk with you, if you don't mind. All right. 
Quite a change to find somebody here who wants to talk. I understand you just got in from New York. Here on business? Look, you know why I'm here, but now everybody in town knows. Got any identification on you? Yeah, have you? My name's Martin, Dan Martin. I'm the deputy sheriff in charge of this part of the county. Oh, then you're just the man I was looking for. Is that so? I'm Johnny Dollar, insurance investigator. I'm looking for a girl named Kathleen O'Dare. Do you know where she is? What do you want with her? I'm working on a murder case. She's a witness. Is there any kind of a charge against her? No, I just want to talk to her. What makes you think she's here? Are you a friend of hers, Mr. Martin? I've been in love with Kathy since we went to grade school. I'd be willing to die for her. Does that answer your question? All right, let me put it this way. You think you're helping her by hiding her out. All of you think so. But you're wrong. You're helping her right into her grave. Kathy doesn't figure it that way. She's scared. She doesn't know what she thinks. I know these boys who are after her. They don't play kid games. And sooner or later, they're going to find her. So if you love her and if you know where she is, you better take me to her before it's too late. I don't know. I don't know what it is Kathy's mixed up in. I didn't want to ask her. But I know it isn't the police she's afraid of. And I don't think it's you. No, at the time she ran out, I wasn't even in the picture. I'm on her side too, Mr. Martin, and I've got to see her. Go talk to her father, old Mike. See what he thinks. He's not at home right now. Yeah, I know. He's out at number four mill. How do I get there? The county pickup truck is parked down the block. The tire chains bit into the packed snow and pushed the four miles of logging road behind us. It was late afternoon and the sun had dropped behind the timbered slopes, throwing a pale sheet of cold yellow against the western sky. Here and there, a few scattered lights were coming on, in the windows of the village and the bunkhouses of the lumber camps. Bright white smarks against the darkening shadows. Emptiness, loneliness, and somewhere in it a frightened girl in hiding. A girl who'd run away from the city of a hundred million lights and from an unsolved murder. Michael Deere was winding up a job working at the big slabbing saw, and I stood by and waited for him to finish. Be right with you, Mr. Dollar. This is the last one. Okay. Well, that's the last of it now till after Christmas. Yeah, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. That's all right, Mr. O'Dare. My name is Johnny. Never mind. I know all about you. Dan Martin phoned, said you was on your way out. Mr. Dollar, the answer is no. I see. I've had it over since Dan called. Before I'd have anything happen to Kathy, I'd rather see ten murderers go and home. Now, look, hiding out won't help. As long as Nick Shearn is free, Kathy's in danger. He can't hurt her if he can't find her? I found her, Mr. O'Dare. Just by luck. There's not one chance in a million of... Sounds like a car. Ooh, the tarnation had drive out here this time of the evening. We walked over to the big doors. The car had stopped about 20 yards away. A man got out and turned toward us. I was standing under the dock light, so he recognized me before I got a good look at him. He jumped back in the car and went for his gun. Benny Stark. Get back, Mr. O'Dare. It was too dark to get a decent shot. I tried once more and missed, and the car disappeared behind the trees. 
Mr. Dollar, who was it? Was that one of them? That's right, Mike. They found her. There'll be another intriguing episode in our story of the Nick Shearn matter tomorrow. Tomorrow, a lonely vigil in the snow, a killer prowls the night, and a lovely lady vanishes. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Les Crutchfield, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. I absolutely, I, I really do love this episode and the way it's set up. It shows just the uh, wonderful combination of uh, toughness and kindness in uh, Johnny Dollar. On one hand, we see Johnny very tough with Nick Shern and uh, not afraid to take down one of his boys a peg or two. On the other hand, the uh, just warmth and humanity as he's talking to uh, the landlady. It's just a great contrast uh, in this character and uh, still a very interesting uh, story. And uh, be sure and listen on Wednesday as we continue. Now we uh, turn to listener comments and feedback. And Lucas comments uh, regarding the uh, matter of reasonable doubt. But he says, uh, uh, first, I just wanted to say thanks for digging those episodes up and putting them out there for us. I'd never heard of Johnny Dollar before I started listening to your podcast a few years ago. He's pretty quaint, uh, don't you think? I agree with you on the matter of reasonable doubt. The girl was the best part of the whole series. I'm surprised with all the speculating Johnny did about the old lady's motivation for calling off the trust, he didn't consider the young girl's safety as a motivator. Maybe Johnny had a tumor in that episode. It seemed a pretty basic assumption to me. Uh, well, Lucas, one thing you, uh, I think we have to give Johnny on this is Johnny knew a, where uh, Susan was. She was with the newspaper editor and was safe and sound. So I think it. We, I think that that being the case, uh, in reality, he probably missed what they might have, to, what lies they might have told her. 
though I do still think he should have thought of it. Uh, and he says, anywho, thanks again and keep up the good work. I don't know if you care, but I listen to you on Stitcher these days, 400 hours worth of detectives. Wow, that is uh, quite a bit. I don't know, if you use Stitcher, can you just download all of them? That means that if you got stranded on a desert island, if you could find some way to keep the battery going, you could listen to it every waking hour for 25 days. Got to get that in folks' emergency kits. Well, thanks again so much for the comment, Lucas. That'll do it for today. And uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow with uh, the amazing Mr. Malone. And uh, we'll continue on with the Nick Shern matter on Wednesday. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.